Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Amy Williams. I'm a senior consultant with .orgsource. I'm standing in today for Sherry Budziak, the host of Association 4.0 podcast, co-founder of Org Community, and founder and CEO of .orgsource, a consultancy to associations. Today, our guest is Dr. Kathy Latta. Kathy is a social enterprise and marketing expert who has spent her career working in the association and nonprofit space. Kathy also was an instructor at the University of Pittsburgh, where she taught advertising strategy, operations, ethics, business communications, and introduction to business. Welcome, Kathy, and thanks for joining me. Hey, Amy, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So I'm excited about today's topic because you are a social enterprise expert. And with social enterprise growing in popularity, especially since COVID, um, this is a topic that I think will be of great interest to our listeners. We all know that diversifying revenue streams is important for any organization, but it's particularly important for associations because so many rely heavily on dues, making any volatility in the marketplace detrimental to the financial health of the organization. Can you explain to listeners what social enterprise is and how it's different from diversifying revenue? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a little bit of a complex question, so uh, bear with me. I'm going to give an answer that might seem a little bit long, but I promise I am going somewhere with it. <laughs> um, it's a great question. I spent, <laughs> I spent about two years trying to answer that question about what social enterprise is and how, how it relates to nonprofits as I wrote my doctoral dissertation on scaling social enterprise several years ago. Um, first and foremost, there's no sort of widely accepted definition of what a social entrepreneur is or what a social enterprise is, but there are some common uh, commonalities among the different definitions. There are dozens floating out there. I subscribe to the definition that one of the founders of social enterprise, Gregory Dees, proposed in his book, um, which is very interesting for your readers or listeners if they want to um, check it out. It's called The Enterprising Nonprofit. Um, so his definition um goes along like these lines. So social entrepreneurs, unlike business entrepreneurs or nonprofit leaders, seek to create social value by pursuing opportunities that serve a social mission. So like business entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs act boldly without being limited to the resources that are currently in hand. They engage in a process of of continual innovation and adaptation and learning. And I'll give a bunch of examples later, so um, don't worry about that. Um, uh, Social entrepreneurs have a heightened sense of accountability towards their constituents served and the outcomes achieved. So a lot of what they do has to be very transparent and open to the public, unlike a business entrepreneur. Um, Some nonprofits do act like social entrepreneurs, but most do not. Um, They offer a blend of social sector, nonprofit mindset, and the business mindset. So the example that comes to mind right away is the Nature Conservancy, which is headquartered in Arlington, Virginia. Um, They're a social enterprise and a nonprofit social enterprise at that. There's different types of social enterprise um, that preserves tracts of land, nature for posterity. 
Um, it's the largest system of private sanctuaries in the world. And they have like, I don't know, like four to five or six billion dollars in assets at this point. Um, but the social entrepreneurial aspect um, is that it created a for-profit entity called the Eastern Shore Sustainable Development Corporation to generate profits and jobs um, while serving the social mission to protect our environment. It also created a partnership with this large lumber company to put into practice sustainable harvesting techniques. And so big, big goals um, that, they were, um, that they were going for. Valley could have acted like a standard nonprofit when it came to finding revenue for its bold mission. Um, if it had, it likely would have pursued uh, more grant funding or building up its membership program that it has or having special events or educational programs. Some nonprofits sell merchandise to help make ends meet. Those are all noble pursuits and tried and true ways for most nonprofits to make money to support their mission. But what makes the Nature Conservancy socially entrepreneurial is its unique approach to making a profit in service of its mission. Um, investors uh, put up millions of dollars um, to help launch this for-profit arm. Um, and again, they are now a $6 billion company. Um, so I think nonprofits have an opportunity to use the social entrepreneur's mindset to look with fresh eyes um, at the challenges and the opportunities in their market so they can scale their impact exponentially. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. And I like the idea that there's, you know, they're doing it more for the the greater good, right? right. So why is it important for, why is it important to align social enterprise activities to an organization's mission and strategic goals? Sure. So um, one of the things about being a social entrepreneur or a socially entrepreneurial um, organization is that it's a mindset. It's not a program, right? It's not, it's not like something that you do. It's, it's who you are. Um, and the definition of what a social enterprise is helps shed light on this. Remember, it's, it's using business and social sector tools to solve social problems. So any activity outside of those parameters, um, outside of mission and strategic goals is a waste of resources. Um, put another way, uh, social enterprises often under operate under a specific theory of change. So um, a theory of change is a series of planned activities that get you to a social goal as to how and the why of that desired change. So you first imagine the ultimate goal. Um, so in the case of Kaboom or Share Our Strength, both those organizations have the ultimate goal to end childhood obesity. That's their mission. That's their strategic goal. Um, so they work backward from there and look at the context and the ecosystem of players that are needed to work together to enact that change, um, the changes needed to achieve an end to childhood obesity. Um, and that's, that's what you do. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily a matter of aligning your social enterprise activities to an organization's mission and strategic goals. You literally are your mission and strategic goals. And I, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> It does. I, it does. I, I think that makes a lot of sense to align those activities and, and it not being a program, it being a strategic initiative for the organization. What advice do you have for executives who are new to social enterprise? Um, let's see. Well, I, I uh, wow, there's a lot um, to, <laughs> to do that. Um, I, I think I would focus on um, a model that I learned when I was um, studying my, working on my dissertation on social enterprise, scaling social enterprise. I looked at a lot of different models for how to basically 
enact transformative scale for social enterprise. So solving a big problem like childhood obesity versus just building a playground, which is what Kaboom used to be known for. So there are five sort of pathways to transformative scale for a social enterprise that Braddock and Grendel um, in their article, um, Emerging Pathways to Transformative Scale came up with. And those are, um, don't just build organization and programs, strengthen a field. And I'll give examples of each one. Um, change public systems, um, embrace the need for policy change, recruit and train others to deliver the solution and distribute through existing platforms. So if you're just getting started at um, social enterprise, you're probably gonna wanna look at some examples of how to do this to see what your particular niche would um, benefit from and how, how other actors in your ecosystem are playing with you. So I mean, don't just build organizations and programs, strengthen the field. Um, sometimes in order to enact big social change, you need a critical mass of stakeholders needed to reach that goal. Um, so strengthening the field involves either raising awareness to gain financial or other support or helping others in the field achieve better impact as well. A program called MENTOR, uh, which the acronym stands for something that I can't quite remember, but um, the MENTOR acronym uses both approaches. Um, it's, it has 5,000 affiliate organizations that provide mentoring to disadvantaged youth and benefit from this, this package of, of standards and tools and research that mentor um, disseminates. Um, so that's um, strengthening a whole field. Um, so what can your nonprofit do to strengthen the field that you're in? What kinds of partnerships can you have um, to do that? Um, changing public systems is another way to go about um, scaling impact. So an example is um, the Annie E. Casey Foundation. Um, they worked to create some change in the juvenile justice system. And his program had spread um, as of a few years ago to over 200 sites in 39 states and it's positioned to keep growing. Um, so working with your funders uh, to change public systems, working with others, um, embracing the need for policy change. Um, there are a lot of people um, involved in this, but um, the hospice care um, spread nationwide after gaining Medicare and reimbursement. So the coalition that was behind um, the adoption of a standard for hospice care actually worked um, to get um, get legislation passed. Um, let's see, what were the others? Recruiting and other training others to deliver the solution. Um, Europe is a social enterprise with, I don't know, over a dozen locations around the country. Um, they partnered with a community college to officer, officer sorry, sorry, to offer a professional training core similar to ROTC. Um, which ROTC, which provides um, students learning their associate's degree with professional work experience. Um, so that's Europe's model. And then the final one is distributing through existing platforms. So maybe your nonprofit can do something like the YMCA did, which the YMCA partnered with the National Institutes of Health um, on a program that was addressing diabetes prevention. Um, and the key to scaling theirs was the location the key to scaling that whole program was the fact that 60% of Americans live within three miles of a YMCA. So um, all of those are different examples and different ways that nonprofit leaders can think about how they, uh, how they create impact, how they scale, and what kind of social enterprise they might be. Every problem is so complex and embedded in a series of sort of contextual um, things like your economy, your local government, your local players, your local ecosystem. So it's really important to kind of look at the examples, sure, but really customize them to what your nonprofit can do and what unique niche your nonprofit um, plays in and what, you, what uniquely you can contribute. 
Um, the main thing is just making sure you're mapping out that ecosystem of other players in the space of that social mission that you're trying to pursue. I like that approach. And I like how you mentioned that the organizations can partner together toward the same um, opportunity, because I think for smaller associations who may not have the resources, that's going to be vital. That'll be really important to have yeah. that. that sort for sure. of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for those who may be selling a new program to their executives or their board, um, a, a program that may require some financial resource, resources, what advice do you have? Well, um, first, I would say that social enterprises are not really a program that you can sell. It's, it's really a mindset and a shift in the very way that you do business and try to solve social problems. Um, and if you're going to explore social enterprise as a mindset to your nonprofit and diversifying your revenue stream while achieving big, bold impact, you have to do your homework first. Um, I've given a couple examples and places to find inspiration and guidance, and I can certainly give you some more. Um, and I would look to the case examples and more to find advocates. Um, what a lot of social enterprises like Kaboom and Share Our Strength and Rediff and Acumen and all these have found is that a really big, bold goal provides the inspiration that generates motivation, resources, and a new sense of what's possible. Um, so holding visioning sessions with potential partners and change, finding the niche that your nonprofit is uniquely suited to address, find a partner. Um, so um, if you're a smaller nonprofit, essentially, or, you're, or a larger nonprofit trying to persuade your leadership to adopt a social entrepreneurial mindset, you know, go to social impact architects out of Dallas or um, community wealth partners in DC or someone at the Case Center for Social Advancement at, at Duke University. There's a ton of of places out there that can really help you um, if you're trying to persuade your leadership to adopt sort of a new approach to solving social problems in your nonprofit's uh, mission area. I like that idea of the big goal and the big bold impact. You know, it, it gives something, it gives people something to rally behind, I think. Exactly. Um, it's, you know, the, the aspiration of it and the, almost the challenge of, can we, can we do this? Can we make this big change? That's, um, that's really exciting. Yeah, and that's what No Kid Hungry did. They went from being a $16 million organization to a $42 million organization because their big, bold goal, instead of, um, you know, just uh, working on uh, school lunch campaigns was to end childhood obesity. That big, bold goal um, got a, what, a three, 300% increase in revenue in just about five years. Um, so people, it's, it's not easy to do, but when you can adopt that big, bold goal and get all your stakeholders on board, um, the, the sky is the limit. Well, and I like the way that they positioned it, right? Because who wouldn't want to support that? Right. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fundraising goal. It was, you know, it was end childhood obesity. And, um, you know, I, I like that the, the emotional connection that that has with people, I think that's important. For so sure. you've talked, you've talked about the importance of partnerships, uh, with other groups, um, what other roles might they typically play in social enterprises? Um, oh my gosh, it, the sky's the limit there too. Um, I think the the fact that these complex social problems 
issues like childhood obesity or domestic violence or hunger, poverty, all these things, they have to be addressed with a systems approach because there's no one cause that's responsible for any of those problems. Mm -hmm. um, you have to find a niche that your own nonprofit is uniquely suited to address and focus there. So I see a lot of nonprofits either join a coalition or build one. Um, Kaboom, who I mentioned earlier, who also focuses on childhood obesity, um, found a group of um, uh, play-focused national nonprofits who, did, who alone didn't have the resources to strive for that long-term social change, but together um, they do, um, for example. So, um, and I mentioned a couple others, the YMCA partnered with the National Institute of Health, Institutes of Health on their diabetes management program. And I gave a couple other examples as well. Um, really partnerships are kind of the way to go when it comes to social enterprises. And a lot of nonprofits um, do partner with others and are part of coalitions as well. I'm not saying that they're not. Um, it's just that that is definitely one of the more critical tools in the social entrepreneurs playbook is to form partnerships um, with other groups, other stakeholders, funders. I could see where that would be really important, especially on the advocacy front. Um, so how might mm -hmm. associations go about identifying an appropriate partner and making sure that their partnerships yeah. are aligned properly? Um, so this is where you really need to do your homework. You need to basically do a survey of the ecosystem of players. And by survey, I don't mean necessarily writing a bunch of questions and sending them out. I mean, looking at who is working to address that particular social change in your sector and create a systems map. And you can Google it. There's all sorts of models for systems map, but creating a systems map of who's working on what aspects of the problem, who's achieving what and what gaps there are, and then understanding your own nonprofit's unique assets and your competencies or where you can change and grow. Because remember, as an entrepreneur, you're not limited by the resources currently in hand. You can dream big. Um, so where do you fit into that ecosystem that you just mapped it, or how do you change it? Um, it's a really long and slow process, but when you're aiming for long-term systemic change, it's kind of unavoidable. Um, also, um, you can identify a great partner by working with social enterprise and systems change funders. Um, so a couple of them are the Annie E. Casey Foundation, which um, works on childhood issues. Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is entrepreneurial, social entrepreneur founder, um, and they focus on public health. The Ford Foundation, the Skoll Foundation, Omidar Network, um, and a bunch of others um, to identify a lot of partners. If you work with your funder, a lot of time that funder has a lot of really deep insights into potential partners in your ecosystem. And so you can really kind of leapfrog ahead and, and skip over some of the early um, due diligence kind of work because the foundation, the funder has done it for you. So I would definitely investigate um, and try to work with the funders um, on that as well. So create a systems map and work with your funders. <laughs> what what kind of challenges uh, might associations and nonprofits encounter when they're embarking on uh, social enterprises? Yeah, so um, they might the nonprofit might find that it doesn't have the ability to execute the new initiative because they require different skill sets. Um, so when Kaboom. Um, transition from just simply creating playgrounds um, for people, for children who didn't have access to them to an ending childhood obesity. 
they didn't have any really lobbyists on their staff. They didn't have any true branding and marketing people to get behind a national, international campaign initiative and things. So they added, ended up adding, I think, like 60 or 70 staff um, to it. And again, they went from like, you know, 12 billion in funding to 40 something million in funding because people got behind that mission. Um, so you know, you might have to add new skill sets or completely change the way that you do business. Um, you also could potentially lose major funders who are not so keen on supporting new initiatives yeah. or who are just unwilling to make a long-term commitment or have the patience with the long-term horizon required to change any um, given social issues. Um, and in fact, a lot of initiatives fizzle out before even a fraction of what they're capable of is, is completed. Um, adopting a social enterprise mindset is not easy. Um, changing systems is not easy. But I mean, there are some pretty amazing people um, in the field. Um, Nobel Prize winner Muhammad Yunus did that with changing the banking system in Bangladesh with the Grameen Bank. Um, social entrepreneur Bill Strickland in Pittsburgh, PA, did that with the Manchester Bidwell, revolutionizing the way workforce development is done and earning himself a MacArthur Genius Award along the way. Um, so cool. um, just because there are um, challenges um, doesn't mean you can't surpass them. <laughs> How do you see social enterprise evolving in the future? Um, well, um, a lot more and more, I think the line between social enterprise and nonprofits is blurring. Um, social enterprise kind of was born from the nonprofit sector and movement. Um, and the line between business and social enterprise is kind of, of blurring. Um, there's a nonprofit called B Labs, um, and they're spearheading the benefit corporation movement, which is social enterprise um, baked into basically our business articles of corp and corporation. Um, it's a global movement, and leaders and benefit corporations um, are in most countries around the world. Um, social enterprise itself is a global movement as well. Um, and when you have corporate leaders of like Fortune 50 companies, publicly traded companies like Paul Pullman, who is the former um, CEO of Unilever, advocating for this specific type of change and, and baking in the social and environmental mission to your business. You know that the movement towards social purpose for business is on its way to going mainstream. I wouldn't say that we're there yet. We're a long way away from that. But there's a lot of pockets of um, people in different sectors working on making this happen, um, which is really cool to see. Well, and I think that's important for associations to to kind of um, get going on this sooner rather than later because they can establish some of those relationships uh, mm -hmm. with those larger organizations, which would certainly uh, help with funding. What Absolutely. advice? What advice would you give to those association leaders for success? Like, what are the let's say what are the five um, five things that they absolutely should do to uh, ensure that they're successful? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> or well, more, all, if there's more, let me know. You're the expert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the, the first step, I think, is evaluating your own organization and your appetite for risk and change. Because yeah. this, as you can tell, is a mindset. It's not a program. Um, so if your board is not on board with this kind of thing, if your stakeholders have no interest in looking at big, bold goals, then don't even bother um, trying, you know, put some 
put plant some seeds along the way to say, hey, you know, we could be working towards ending childhood obesity instead of building this playground over here and this playground over there. And, you know, all together we can do this or um, that kind of thing. Or, you know, we can have this great workforce development program and really change the way that people with disabilities are seen in the workforce. You know, start planting seeds, but the first and foremost, definitely your own organization's appetite for risk and change. Um, and then secondly, um, definitely survey the ecosystem and and understand your own nonprofit and what your unique strengths are and what you bring to the table. Because um, some nonprofits have really great um, sort of lobbying experience and, and things like that. So they can really change a field. They, they have the ability to, with a coalition, potentially change a field. So other organizations um, might be much smaller in scope. Um, there's a group of social enterprises that I used to work for um, as their director of business strategy and impact in Pittsburgh, PA. And those were all very local social enterprises that were very focused on one neighborhood and changing that one neighborhood instead of experiencing gentrification, they're experiencing withentrification as a group of social enterprises transforming the neighborhood. So you have to understand the scope and, of your goals and then really survey the ecosystem of players that are out there um, and who's working there and, and what your social entrepreneurial mindset might look like. Um, and then you need just the leader, the leadership behind it. Um, all of the examples that I've given, there's always been at least one super passionate, hyper-connected leader who sees the vision and is able to get people excited about it and get on board with it because it is for the long haul. Um, a lot of nonprofits, you know, operate from year to year and, you know, what are we going to do next year or, or you know, the, the five-year strategic plan is going out the window even. So yeah. how do you address a big complex problem that's going to take decades you know, you need to understand where your support is for those issues and how you're going to build, build and sustain excitement over the long haul, because these are not short term solutions. Um, well, and that's, so that's, that's kind of where I want to start. That's an interesting point, because I think um, and I could be wrong, but my assumption would be for associations, it might be a little harder because the board chair, if it's a board chair position that rotates every year, mm -hmm. uh, how do you. How do you get that agreement knowing that, you know, a critical seat, you know, a, a critical participant in those discussions um, could be rotating out, may, may still be part of that effort? Mm -hmm. um, any any thoughts on, on how associations may um, approach social enterprise knowing that they need this sort of uh, support from the board um, with seats that may be turning over? Yeah, so they definitely, um, you, you hit on a big issue, and that's why a lot of um, social entrepreneurial programs fail, and that's why a lot of collective impact problems or programs fail, collective impact being when you have multiple associations or nonprofits or social entrepreneurs working together to solve a problem, and yeah, so it's it's recruiting the right people um, to be on there. It's adopting um, basically, you know, a 20-year strategic plan and 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 putting it out there and putting a stake in the ground um, it's very public um, when you operate in the social sector nonprofit leaders are used to this business leaders not so much but when you operate in the sector everything that you do is very public so putting a stake in the ground and publicly saying which kaboom did which share strength did which the nature conservancy did which manchester bidwell did say this is what we're about this is what we're doing this is our mission this is how we're going to get there um, and getting the right people on the on the bus, um, so to speak, to yeah. to make sure that happens um, is critical. I like that. 
who are for for association executives who um, like this idea, who who want to learn more um, and and have the access to the tools and information? Um, where should they go? Who should they be following on social? What website should they be going to? What are your suggestions? Oh boy, um, <laughs> I mentioned a couple. Um, so one of them is the Case Center for Advancing Social Enterprise at Duke University. Um, it's um, They do a lot of really good work and they've got a whole impact investing, which is sort of the way a lot of social enterprises are funded, um, is impact entrepreneurs. These are entrepreneurs who are willing to invest in, in, in social entrepreneurship and, and have that long-term view. It's called patient capital. Um, so the Case um, Center has a lot of people um, like that. Um, I would start following funders um, and personalities in the field like Jeff Skoll at the Skoll Foundation, Jeff being the first president of eBay, also Pierre Omidar, the Omidar Network does a lot of um, funding of this and talking about how to make this happen, um, Pierre Omidar being the founder of eBay, so two eBay guys, um, Jacqueline Novogratz of Acumen. Um, has done some amazing stuff and um, is just a, an incredibly inspirational um, leader in the field. And then follow some of the funders that I mentioned, like the Annie Casey Foundation or the Ford Foundation, um, because they're talking about what's going on with their portfolio of grantees and like what's working, what's not working and where they are in the scale of social entrepreneurship, um, that kind of thing. Also check out SOCAP. Um, global. It's a global community of social enterprise funders to see what they're funding um, and, um, you know, what the trends are there. Um, and then lastly, I would read, and this is what got me hooked on social entrepreneurship and enterprise and what made me want to write my dissertation, which was 200 pages on this subject, um, <laughs> was the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Um, it's a quarterly journal basically written for the social entrepreneur or nonprofit executive who wants to get involved in this. My, my dissertation was an analysis of 13 years, a content analysis of 13 years worth of, of issues um, <laughs> for it. So you are definitely the expert. You, you have earned that. I don't for know. Sure. I don't know about that. I, I definitely am I'm learning and trying and, and, and growing. Um, there's so much to the field, there's like subsets of the field, like, you know, collective impact and, and the whole social impact investing movement that I've not barely scratched the surface on. <laughs> well, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for your time. Do you have any um, closing thoughts or uh, suggestions for association executives? Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, give it, give it a try, you know, read more about what social entrepreneurship is and does, because I think many more nonprofits could really work together to take on these big, bold challenges and really solve our social problems. You know, we've had um, the nonprofit system around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but these big, huge, complex, wicked problems exist still, like hunger and poverty and domestic violence and like all these multifaceted complex problems, how are we going to solve them? Um, I think social enterprise offers a new mindset for how to do that. And I would love it if more nonprofit executives kind of dip their toe in the water and start by reading a couple of issues of um, Stanford Social Innovation Review and see what else is possible. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Um, and thank sure, you. Everybody. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.